Hey, I'm Steve, and welcome to Stuff with Steve. And today's podcast, I'm sitting here with Taylor Paulson. Taylor, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm terrific, terrific. It's nice and sunny out. The fall weather is here. It's going to be great. Okay, today I'm going to uh, we're going to do a little history thing. Is what we're going to do today, and I'm going to start off reading this story, and then uh, maybe Taylor, you've heard it before, and we'll find out here in a second. On a cold night in a faraway land, two girls sat alone in the forest, grieving their deepest loss. They had spent all night, they had spent all their tears and wrenching sobs as the dark hours passed. Now a thin light began to edge the eastern horizon. The girls were quiet, their souls numb. Suddenly the silence was broken with a loud crack. What's that? said Lucy, clutching Susan's arm. I... I feel afraid to turn around, said Susan. Something awful is happening. They're doing something worse to him, said Lucy. Come on. And they turned, and she turned, pulling Susan round with her. The rising of the sun had made everything look so different. All the colors and shadows were changed. That for a moment they didn't see the important thing. Then they did. The stone table was broken into two pieces by a crack great crack that ran down it from end to end and there was no Aslan. Oh, 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 cried the two girls rushing back to the table. Oh, it's too bad, said Lucy. They might have left the body alone. Who's done it, cried Susan. Who does it? Is it more magic? Yes, said a great voice behind their back. It is more magic. They looked round there, shining in the sunrise, larger than they'd seen him before, shaking his mane, for apparently grown again, stood Aslan himself. Oh, Aslan, cried both the children, staring up at him, almost as frightened as they were glad. Aren't you dead, dear Aslan, said Lucy. Not now, said Aslan. Hey, have you ever heard that story? Is that Narnia? That's Narnia. Well done. Okay. <laughs> so that's the story from Narnia, uh, written by C.S. Lewis, and I think about 1950. And for generations, the story has captivated children as well as adults, because when children read the story, they might be just thinking about the, you know, it's a story. But adults see past the story, and they can see the meaning of Aslan being associated with Jesus and uh, the resurrection and those things. So adults can see beyond the words themselves, while children may not be able to as well. So the Chronicles of Narnia is one of C.S. Lewis's great works, and he deliberately wrote it that way so that children would be inspired by the story, but adults, and as children got older, could see, oh, there's more to this. There's a deeper meaning to the words. And so what we call C.S. Lewis's works would be uh, an allegory. Allegor uh, so each part of the story may be matching up with something deeper or another meaning that you have to look beyond the surface to find. And the reason I bring up this story is because sometimes people interpret the Bible that way. And they'll read portions of it and have this idea to look for something deeper than the words themselves. A person who was very involved in this kind of looking at the Bible was a man named Origen. And he was what we call a church father. And by that I mean he was a he was a scholar and a Christian in about the year 200 A.D. I think he was born in 165, as I remember. And then he was eventually 
died, I think, about the age of 70 as well. So Origen, let me tell you a little bit about him and how he began to allegorize the Bible. And there's some difficulties with that approach to the Bible, but there's also, uh, we shouldn't be too quick to uh, be hard on on Origen himself. So Origen grew up in a Christian home. His father was uh, martyred, and uh, I think he was beheaded, actually. And Origen grew up in the city of Alexandria, Egypt. So Alexandria, Egypt was like it was like the Harvard of the day. It was like Cambridge or Oxford. It was the center of learning, and there was a great Alexandrian library there with with um, much uh, many many books and scholars lived there, philosophers lived there. It was a center of uh, being a scholastic or academia was there in Alexandria. But there was also a large contingent of Christians in North Africa at that time, and Christianity spread from. Judea, Jerusalem, throughout the Roman Empire, and it made great roads into what we call northern Africa. That would be Egypt and Libya and across that portion of the world. And so and so, Origen was born in that situation. He was, um, his father was a person very committed to the scriptures, arrested and killed, as I said, but Origen picked up kind of the mantle of his father and became immersed in being a, a scholar at this University of Alexandria. And he became known all throughout the Roman world, I could say that, among Christians. But he also became known to people who were not Christians because Origen was very learned in in Plato, what we call um, um Socratic methods and Plato's philosophy and so forth. Sometimes we, other philosophy, the Aristotelian, Aristotle. And so Origen was very well known in those things. And he wanted to take the best of maybe in his mind Greek philosophy and show how some of it, and, and I use that precisely, some of the philosophy was not opposed to Christian ideals, but often... Um, Origen would take what he had learned and look at the Bible and begin to uh, allegorize it in a certain kind of way. So let me give you an example of that. Um, in one place, the Bible says the, the, the letter kills, but the spirit brings to life. And so Origen would read that and say, oh, well, the words on the page really don't matter. It's the deeper meaning behind those words. So he was not opposed to reading the Bible like we would today, and often we would say we need to read the Bible in its literal, grammatical, historical context. And Origen was very committed to that, but he's also very committed to looking behind those words and getting a deeper meaning. This is fraught with some problems because, because in one sense, who knows whether that kind of allegory is true, and who knows if it... Um, People can look at a Bible verse and come up with two different thoughts about the verse itself. One of the classic examples of this is the book of the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, which um, many would allegorize and say it's not a love story between a husband and a wife. It's a love story between Jesus and the church, which is actually pretty hard to get there because it was written by Solomon in 1000 B.C., and it seems pretty clear reading it that he intended it to be a love poem between uh, a husband and a wife. And so to 
allegorize it to some deeper meaning seems to be fraught with problems. So Origen would read the Bible and see Christ at every page, and we would say, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but at times maybe a certain Bible passage has nothing to do with to do with Christ per se, and I use that cautiously. So we might read parts of the Old Testament, especially in Proverbs or Psalms, and and when uh, King David writes in the Psalms, break the teeth of my enemies and break their jaws, that's pretty strong language, and he probably meant it literally. Well, Origen might allegorize that and say, Jesus broke the jaw of the devil, and that's what that means. And I look at that and go, no, not really. That's not really what's happening here. It's that it's that it's literal. We can take it as plain meaning at that point. Certainly there is symbolic language and pictures in the Bible. I'm not saying that. It's that when we take a story and assign certain uh, characteristics to it, that sometimes we can get into trouble. I can use another example uh, from The Wizard of Oz. Taylor, you've seen The Wizard of Oz? I have. You, yeah, so somebody would allegorize the story and say the Wicked Witch of the East is the President of the United States and the w- Witch of the West is is actually Hollywood. And, and then we could say the Scarecrow is actually a senator from Minnesota and, and the Tin Man is actually a congressperson from California. But now we're just kind of making up and assigning some type of allegorical meaning to something that was never intended. And so we have to be careful about that with the Bible. But Origen is a person very committed to Scripture, very committed to living uh, for Christ, but yet he is the father of what we call the allegory of the Bible. He is no slouchy scholar. His works were used for thousands of years. He could line up Latin and Greek Um, writings of scripture and make uh, many, many study notes that people used um, frequently for hundreds of years. So he was no slouch of a learned person as well. But it's always good for us when we read the Bible to make sure we're pretty grounded in the context of the scripture and, and the background of a book that we are reading. So there are some limits to this allegorical method. It actually landed Origen in the hot water because, in one sense, he was pretty th- thin on his understanding of the Trinity, so much so that at times he said that the Holy Spirit was a created being, which we would say, no, the Holy Spirit has always been God, is co-eternal, co-equal with God. And so some of his contemporaries began to push back on some of his viewpoints. What makes Origen fascinating is that he always wanted to be in line with the church, and he goes, if the church is believing this, then that's my guideline. But at the time he made these statements about the Trinity, it was still being formulated in some respects, a universal thought about the doctrine of the Trinity. And so at times Origen crosses the line, and, and his allegory of Scripture gets him into trouble at times as well. So Origen's one of those fascinating people that we find in the history of Christianity, but he is important because of this allegorical method of interpreting the Bible. And so we can read Scripture and begin to assign things that would never be there. I'll give you another example. In John chapter 2, Jesus turns the water into wine, his first miracle. But some people say, no, it wasn't. that's not the point. It, the point was that wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and he was actually giving the Holy Spirit to people because he's present. And 
we would read that and go, well, that's not really the intent of what's going on here. And so that kind of allegory can get us into trouble. Origen uh, was eventually, he grew up in Alexandria, teaches in Alexandria. He is a private tutor and teacher in the secular humanities at the university and so forth. And people would make their living by teaching others. So private tutoring was a big, big uh, moneymaker in his day. He got so he was so committed to teaching scripture that he quit his secular job, sold all of his secular books, and lived off the money and lived a very humble, modest life. And there are many things about him we can admire, so I don't want to sound like I'm being uh, hard on origin, but I, I want to clear that he was a man committed to Christ, and he began to spend all of his time studying and teaching people in the church. And this at one point brought him into conflict with the Bishop of Alexandria. So I don't know if the bishop at that time was what we would say jealous of him or there were the underpinnings of certain beliefs that the bishop didn't like. And eventually Alex, um, Origen was basically forced out of Alexandria and, and um, moved elsewhere at that time. At certain times in his life, Origen was persecuted, and at one point in his life, he was arrested by the authorities. I think it was in a 250 A.D. or so, maybe a little before that, and he was uh, tortured. He was branded with hot irons. Ouch. He was stretched on those racks at times, but still he would not renounce Christ. And his nickname among church people at that time was man of made of steel not man of steel that'd be superman but his name they would call him would be uh, translated made of steel and so origin is one of these people who was not he would not deny christ and he was like many of them eventually uh, uh tortured significantly uh, he did not die of his wounds he was actually uh, in severe health uh, because of his situation in life and not eating well and being tortured that he eventually died of, I would say, natural causes, but it was due to all of this torture that he had uh, endured as a person as well. Now, Origen was one of the folks that made a, some terrible mistakes in his life, and one of them was he simply wanted to renounce everything that was worldly or selfish and so uh, he tended to live alone at times lived very kind of a poverty lifestyle giving everything away and in many respects those those things are admirable in him but also he read the scripture if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out so we're getting to the place where oh if my if my eyes are causing me to sin I'm going to pluck them out Okay, you can see where if you're not doing so well that you might literally, literally uh, take your eye out. But it's a little bit different for Origen. So what he did was he read Matthew 19.12, which talks about being a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven. So he self-castrates himself. And that is like, you know, he wants to do away with the lust of the flesh, and he takes this enormous step which he later regretted and wrote about that that he was uh, rash in making that decision to overcome 
uh, sexual temptation. And so with this lifestyle like that, he, he made some made some mistakes because of his allegory of Scripture and his incredible desire to self-deny himself everything. Well, eventually, uh, his writings became prolific, and he wrote quite a few books. I don't have them in front of me. Five or six, I guess, that became uh, a staple of Christian scholars. Some in the oncoming years heavily chastised him, and one was Jerome, who was the first person to translate the Bible from Greek into Latin. And we'll talk about Jerome here in another week. But Jerome said, hey, Origen, because of his staunch allegorical method, you know, ends up denying the Trinity and has some serious flaws in some of his beliefs in that area as well. So Origen is kind of a mixed bag in the history of Christianity. He loves Scripture. He had vast amounts of the Bible memorized. He would put most of us to shame with the amount of Scripture he had memorized. And he gets off track because of his allegorical method to the Bible. And that's where we read something at face value and we think, oh, there's got to be a deeper hidden meaning to it. And those kind of thoughts can get us into trouble as we read Scripture. So we, often we need to be rooted into the idea that the Bible was written by a person, by God through people like Paul. There's a historical context to the letters that Paul wrote or Peter or John. And it's helpful to know that context and to know uh, the purpose of writing the letters, uh, that section of Scripture, so that we can be accurate in our interpretation or just observing uh, what's written there. Now, here's the thing. When we are slack in our ability to interpret the Bible, then our application goes haywire. And we begin to apply the Bible or misapply the Bible or ignore parts of the Bible because we've allegorized away the clear meaning of Scripture. So that's our history today on Origen, one of the uh, first church fathers who is a, a supreme intellectual who is steeped in philosophy, but yet very committed to the Bible, even though at times he drifts away. So in everything that I've said, Taylor, have you ever heard of this guy before? I've never heard of this guy. And if I'm being honest, it probably took me about half the podcast to realize that you were talking about a person and not a oh, noun. <laughs> and, and not a what? And not a noun to describe the beginning of things. Oh, yeah. Origin. I should have defined that because... We hear these words like uh, Justin Martyr or Origen. I'll talk about a man named Jerome. I want to talk about Perpetua. And so you probably maybe have been on Cape Perpetua on the coast here. Well, she is a woman from Christian history that we need to know about. And I'm going to talk about her soon in a podcast as well. But I tend to forget that maybe some of these words or names of people uh, not everyone's going to be familiar with here today. Well, okay, that's it for today's podcast, Stuff with Steve, and looking forward to our next one. Grace and peace be with you.